Hello, and welcome to Not If I Reboot You First, the podcast that takes our favorite properties and reboots them before Hollywood has the chance to. It's a little bit like brainstorming fanfiction. I'm Lindsay, and I use she, her pronouns. I'm Tanner, they, them, and this week, we're going back to 14th century Europe to learn all about my favorite sports movie, A Knight's Tale. Yay! It's been a very long time since I've seen A a Knight's Tale. I just remember liking it a lot. It is a very good movie. Unfortunately, if you're in Canada, you can watch it on the CTV website. Um, although, you, if you don't have an ad blocker, there will be commercials. Also, they do have uh, the dubbed over all of the swears. So you can see Heath Ledger saying shite, and then, oh, like, dubbed over is just Heath Ledger's disembodied voice going bad. <sighs> um, and also, it's in full screen, not widescreen. So, you know, I had to watch it like an animal. Yeah. <laughs> But still, it's a very good movie. It's mm-hmm. a very good movie with a great score and great music, because all the music is 70s bops. Yes. <laughs> As Wikipedia states, the film, with notionally takes place during the Middle Ages, is notable for its deliberate use of classic rock songs in the soundtrack, uh, and the ten that were created in the film, this in order of appearance, are We Will Rock You by Queen, Lowrider by War, Taking Care of Business by Bachman Turner Overdrive, Golden Years by David Bowie, Further On Up the Road by Eric Clapton, Get Ready by Rare Earth, I Want to Take You Higher by Sly and the Family Stone, which I'd just like to say, I do not even remember I Want to Take You Higher showing up in the movie whatsoever. Mm. Um, The Boys Are Back in Town by Thin Lizzy, You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC, and We Are the Champions by Queen. Um, And this was done because, like, they made this as a sports movie, and they wanted it to evoke the same kind of feelings people would have at, like, a hockey arena or a football arena, that kind of situation, right? Yeah. So yeah, A Knight's Tale, released in 2001. (laughs) medieval adventure comedy sports film written co-produced and directed by brian helgeland it stars heath ledger shannon sossman rufus sewell mark addy alan tudyk paul bettany laura fraser um and other people are not as important (laughs) and it is about a squire played by heath ledger named william thatcher who when he realizes that his liege has died in the jousting tournament with only one run left to go he dons Sir Ector's armor to impersonate him and wins the just to take the prize. And then him and his two friends, the fellow squires, decide to pretend that Will is an, a knight. They make up the name Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein from Yonderland. <laughs> who's, who's actually based on a real person. Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein is a real guy? Yeah, uh, circa 1200 to... Circa 1200 to January 26, 1275, was a German minnesinger and poet of the Middle Ages. Um, he wrote poetry in high middle in middle high German and was the, an author of note of noted works about how knights and nobles may lead more virtuous lives. <laughs> yeah, there is the, an implication throughout the film that Ulrich von Lichtenstein is a name they pulled out of their ass that <laughs> sounded really noble, and that none of them think Gelderland is a real place. <laughs> Even though it is. <laughs> They're just, they, they spend the whole time trying to imply that he's like, oh yeah, he's, he's an impoverished knight from this uh, far-off backwater kingdom, but he's definitely a noble. Look, we got the patents. <laughs> <laughs> The reason they're able to help fake that he's a noble is because they just so casually happen upon Geoffrey Chaucer. Yeah. <laughs> on the path. <laughs> There's just a wild, naked Geoffrey Chaucer. Buck-ass naked. <laughs> he's like, hey, if you clothe me and feed me and let me ride your horse for a little bit, I'll, fi- I'll falsify some patents of nobility for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he ends up just joining the squad. And then, like, after their tournament, the first tournament where Will is faking being Sir Ulrich, uh, they also get Kate, the blacksmith, who is everyone, like, one of everyone's favorite character. Actually, you know what? Honestly, everyone, all the characters in this film are everyone's favorite character. I don't think there's a bad character among the bunch. This is a really good film, you guys. <laughs> um, but Kate is the blacksmith. She took over her husband's business after he passed away. And she's developed a new method of smelting the steel so that it's thin and lightweight, but still extremely strong. That's highlighted by, like, the scene where she manages to goad Will into testing it. And so they, like... They have, like, the big log hanging from the ceiling on, like, the the roller that you can just, like, t- toss and it slides across the room. And so they ch- chuck that thing at Will and it slams him and it does knock him into a bale of hay. But he's like, oh my god, I didn't feel a thing. And then there's a following scene where uh, Will, like, 
walks into the stadium with the, the, this really thin, clearly le- like really really thin looking armor, and everyone's laughing at him, and he's like ah ha 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 ha, like he laughs along with them, and then he hops in on his horse on his own without any help, and everyone stops, and then it pans over to this other knight who is still struggling to get hoisted on by like his whole squad of squires because his armor's so damn heavy. Yeah, look the the trope that armor. Medieval armor is heavy is actually greatly exaggerated, but yeah, it would have weighed like it would have been like ultra football padding. Yeah, um, and that's a good another note that we should point out is that uh, this film's not going to care about historical accuracy that much. No. Like, if there's a historical thing we can slide in there for uh, the amusement or to help enhance the story, that's great. Uh, but <laughs> truly, this is this movie is dudes rock. Yes. The the other important thing that happens at the first tournament is that Will encounters a beautiful noble woman who he eventually learns her name is Jocelyn, and he immediately falls in love with her, and she pretty quickly falls in love with him, even though literally every other knight at the tournament is also pledging their love to her, uh, including Sir Adamar, who's a nasty bastard man. Not not a royal bastard, but like an asshole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he immediately turns his nose up at Will, like even, even assuming that he believes that he's a knight, he thinks he's a really piss-poor knight with shit technique. There's a scene where he's explaining how the jousting tournament works to Jocelyn, and he's like, oh, he wasn't, uh, Sir Ulrich was never trained properly, because, uh, like, a properly trained jouster would turn his head away at the last moment to avoid splinters getting into his eyes, but Sir Ulrich never looks away. And he's like, oh, he's an idiot, but Jocelyn's like, wow, so he never takes his eye off the target, how impressive. And now Arara's like, hmm, grumble, grumble, I don't like this man. I have to unhorse him. I will say, Will is never unhorsed during the tournament, which is probably a good thing, considering, uh, according to the worlds, if you get unhorsed, you lose your horse, and they only got the one horse. Yep. Another important thing that happens is he meets a jouster named Sir Thomas Colville. Air quotes, air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they only meet, like, twice in the tournament circuit, and the first time, it's like, Colville is injured, but they run anyways because Colville wants to like finish the match. He's never not finished a match. And then in another tournament, Colville is due to just against Adamar. And then Adamar very quickly surrenders. Or like he Yeah, puts up the white flag. He bows out of the match. Um there's a specific turn I can't think of it right now. Yeah. He scoops. <laughs> <laughs> um withdraw, that's the term I'm looking for. Yeah. So Adamar withdraws from the match, and so Colville moves on to go against Will, and then they're like, why the hell would Adamar, who's obsessed with winning, withdraw from a match? And so they go and check, and they find out that Thomas Colville is actually Prince Edward, the Black Prince of England. Yep. Next in line for the crown? He doesn't get the crown, though. Spoilers. Uh, He dies before his dad dies, and his second son, Richard, becomes Richard II, who... uh, He's the reason why the Wars of the Roses started. Not a competent king, and probably too gay. But it's a Knight's Tale, so actually everything works out fine, and we love him. <laughs> <laughs> they do give Prince Edward historical hero upgrade. It's like, oh, he's so cool, he's such a great knight, da-da-da. And uh, TV Joseph's quick to point out, yeah, he was a great hero. To the English, he was yeah. still ruthlessly pillaging and murdering people in England's name. Mm-hmm. But we're not gonna worry about that. Yeah. And also, this is the Middle Ages, like... Just rule- Everybody be pillaging. Yeah, honestly, the stuff going on in Europe is small potatoes compared to some other places. Yeah, that's fair. Um, anyways, here, it could, Prince Edward is just a cool guy and he just wants to joust. He just wants to be a normal noble, not a special noble. Uh, so Will rides against him anyways, and they're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, you could have killed him. Um, <laughs> but Will's like, but he wanted to joust and so I gave him that chance. That's important later. As we go on, Will and Jocelyn grow closer, although she still considers him Sir Ulrich. There is a part where, like, okay, so they have, like, a spontaneous breakup in one scene because, like, Will is still concerned with making a living more than falling in love with her, which is weird because he was more concerned with, like, getting the... So early in the film, he's they're like, we need to do the sword dueling as well as the jousting. And Will's like, no, just jousting because it's worth more glory. Uh, I don't care about the money. So then it's like, it's really no reason why Will and Jocelyn suddenly have a breakup after their wonderful dance scene, like, five minutes ago. But then they break up, and then he writes her a beautiful letter with the help of his friends, because they are a little bit more poetic than he is. Yeah. Then he gets to her in person, and she's like, tell me the poetry! And he's like, um, your breasts! What about my breasts? They're below your throat? Oh no. 
Oh, well. No game. He has no... Well, on this day, he has no game. And he's like, listen, I will win this tournament for you. And Jocelyn's like, every fucking knight is going to win the tournament for me. What if you lost the tournament? If you truly love me, then you will stop being good because it shows... It, like, you are good at jousting. It would show more that you care about me if you actively chose to lose. So then we get a good five minutes of... <laughs> of Will just getting absolutely shit-fucked by yeah. every jouster in the tournament. Um, and after after that whole montage... One of his friends comes up to him and is like, well, the good news is that everyone else in this tournament seems to also be shit. So technically you can still win if you just don't lose anymore. <laughs> and conveniently that's when Jocelyn's handmaiden shows up and she's like, well, now that you've proven you love, you will win the rest of the tournament. And Will's like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just has now permanent tinnitus in his ears. Yeah, probably. I mean, so after he wins the tournament, which is a really important thing also, because the tournament takes place in Paris, and a bunch of Frenchmen manage to goad the, uh, like, the crew to bet basically everything they own in favor of uh, Sir Ulrich. <laughs> and so they're like, okay, we've bet our entire fortunes that he will win the entire tournament. And then they show up the next day and Will's like, oh, I'm gonna lose, because I love her. And they're like, shit, shit, shit. But anyways, he does eventually win. Yeah. And so everyone's happy. They're counting their money and they're like celebrating, getting drunk. Um, and then Jocelyn sneaks, sneaks into Will's tent and she like, she gets into bed with him and then he winces in pain and she looks and he's just covered in bruises and bandages. And she's like, oh God, I've done this to you. And Will's like, yeah, yes, you have. Um, but <laughs> it's okay because I won and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> love make you crazy sometimes. It really does. <laughs> Um, but then they get back to London, and it's the first time Will has been back to London in 12 years, and we get a flashback to his fa We've seen a few flashbacks during this film to uh, Will as a little boy and his father, like, trying to raise him, but they're both very, very poor, and, like, mm -hmm. that's why Will was a shitty squire at the start of the film. But we flash back to his father basically selling Will to Sir Ector in the hopes that Will will be able to, like, learn some skills and become a better person than just a Thatcher, because they're, they're Thatchers, they Thatch. Yeah. It's it's the Middle Ages. Your name is what you do. Yeah, yeah. This is before like surnames were formalized for regular folk. Yeah, and and even then, it's like if your surname is formalized, it just means that you are also going to be a Thatcher. Yeah, and also there's like five different ways to spell said last name until like finally your family settles on something. That's that is also true. Or the immigration people make the decision for you. Stick some extra G's and H's in Thatcher and you could pass it off as a noble name too. Oh yes, we fancified it just to one-up the French. Yep. <laughs> I was, like, I, the other day I was explaining why English is the way it is to one of my coworkers, and she was just in pure disbelief the whole time. She was like, that doesn't make any sense! And I'm like, yes, does English make any sense? And she's like, damn it, you're right. We're a bastardized Germanic language that got Frankified back in the Middle Ages, and then we went through a vowel shift. Yeah. And we didn't formalize our spelling until the end of that vowel shift, and even then it wasn't actually formalized, which is why in the States you got a different way of spelling shit from like the rest of the Anglosphere, except for Canada, where it's like, look, just pick a way to do to write this word. Please. Yeah. <laughs> phonics was fun it's, in canada it's it's very amusing where i'm go i'm going through our fanfic and it's like um actually so we we've detected that your story is set in contemporary america so grace should be spelled like this i'm like ah but it's being said by a british woman so it actually should be spelled the other way <laughs> i throw in use all over the place just to see what red squiggles i get yeah, if, listen, if we were better writers, we would codify that all the Brits and the Canadians had the extra U's and all the Americans don't. But because we're Canadian, we have to, otherwise the word looks wrong. Yes! <laughs> really, Canadian spelling just comes down to pure aesthetics. It does. Sometimes I add extra U's in after an O because it feels right. <laughs> yeah! There's a reason why we don't spell tire with a Y. It just looks off. Anyway... So anyways, back to, back to Knight's Tale. Um, so they get back to London. Uh, William has followed his, so his dad's, like, Will Will was like, Dad, how will I find my way back to you? And his dad is like, don't worry, you'll just follow your feet. Um, and in an earlier flashback, 
Will was like, Dad, will I ever be a knight? And his dad was like, of course you will. Um, and then some random peasant in the, like, the, what is it when it's your head and your arms and the wooden thing? Oh, a pillory? Yeah, th- there's a random peasant in the pillory next to them, because Will is sitting on top of the pillory as, as a little kid. And the guy in the pillory was like, oh, a, a kid from the Cheapside becoming a knight? You might as well try to change your stars! And Will is like, Dad, can I change my stars? And his dad is like, of course you can, Will. You just have to believe in yourself. <laughs> Anyways, so Will gets back to London. Everyone's cheering for him. And they have a great time in the first few rounds of the tournament. Sir Adamar is back. Adamar had originally been called away to the Battle of Poitiers uh, because he's a mercenary. Um, and then he arrives back in time for the London tournament after declaring that he's been committing all the old sins in all the new ways. Just so you know, he's a bad fucker. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so... Uh, goes to Cheapside to find his dad, and his dad has gone blind, and his dad is like, Oh, you're Sir Ulrich from Lichtenstein, I hear your name chanted from the stadiums. Um, and Ulrich is like, I've got news of your son, Will. It's like, oh, what, what's happened to him? Has is, is he become, like, has he changed his stars? Yes, he's become a knight. And has he followed his feet? Yes, he has, father. And they hug, and they have dinner, and it's really cute. Uh, and then Will fixes the, th- <laughs> there's a leak in the roof, and like, ah, oh, a leak in a th- of the roof, that won't do for a Thatcher. And his dad's like, I'm a blind Thatcher, so it's actually pretty fitting. <laughs> and then Will goes up to the roof to fix the leak, but then Adamar sees this, and Adamar's like, oh my god, so Ulrich is a fake! Da, da, da. Yeah, they find out that Adamar found out, and they're like, Will, you need to run, because they will have you arrested for impersonating nobility. And Will's like, I won't run, I'm a knight! And they're like, I mean, I know you believe you're a knight, but legally you are not a knight, and you will be executed. <laughs> and Jocelyn even shows up, and Jocelyn's like, Will, I will be happily like renounce my nobility and live in squalor with you and the pigs, but right now, please run, because I don't want you to die. And Will's like, no, I'm a knight! And... And so he marches out to the jousting arena, uh, and, like, the guardsmen show up, and they're like, You will cease this impersonation at once! And Will's like, I am here to joust. And the the guards are like, You are here to be arrested! <laughs> and then he is, and he's put in jail. Adamar beats him up, and he's like, In what world could you ever hope to defeat me? Um, and then Will is put in the pillories, and the peasants throw fruit at him, and as all his friends come to defend him, and then... Prince Edward shows up in a cool long coat. Because he's a cool guy. He's just a cool normal guy. He's just normal men. He's just innocent men. Even though he's the Black Prince of England. <laughs> yep. Heir to the throne. And he show- <laughs> All that stuff. He shows up and he goes up to Will and he's like, the, f- like, the fact that your friends immediately came to your defense shows that you inspire great loyalty among them, and that would have been enough. But also, you let me joust. That was also pretty cool. Uh, so then he turns around and he faces the crowd and is like, Listen up, you fucking peasants. I am the Prince of England, and I totally found evidence that actually Will and the Thatchers are descended from an archaic line of nobility, which means I can knight the Sir William Thatcher, and also I'm the prince, so anyone who contests my word is treason. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty okay of of using their authority in this situation. Yeah! (laughs) So, Will returns to the tournament for the final match, and it is against Adamar. But Adamar cheats because he, and like, the lances, it's established early on that the lances are blunted, so that even if they hit you dead on, it is really rare for them to actually fatally injure someone. Yeah. Like, even at the beginning, Sir Ector died of dysentery. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty rare in a big event, um... If someone got, like, seriously injured or killed in jousting matches. Now, granted, this is a sport that probably resulted in a lot of traumatic brain injuries from the lack of padding in those helmets. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, falling from your horse and all that. Yeah. But, like, the most notable death in a jousting match was uh, that of Henry II of France. And <laughs> there's a lot of rumors about what happened with that one and Nostradamus. Had a, may, might have had a prediction about it. I don't know. He was throwing out a lot of predictions. Nostradamus <laughs> predicted everything. It's like, he's just fucking scattershotting <laughs> prophecies. Yeah. So, in, in the case of Henry II, uh, what had happened was the lance of his opponent had shattered on his armor, and, like, a splinter had got, and when I say splinter, I mean, like, a big fucking splinter had gone into his 
had gone into his eye and had gone infected. Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah. why would you say that? Uh. <laughs> yeah, and then the other one was Henry VIII got unhorsed and then his horse fell on top of him. And he was out cold for at least two, maybe three hours. The historical record was a little mm. hazy. But there was a moment where it's like, oh no, Henry VIII might be dead. Or he could, like, stroke out at any moment. And our only heirs are a 17-year-old Mary and a, no, like a 20-year-old Mary and a not-yet-three-year-old Elizabeth. And the queen is pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, he did did get up. Unfortunately, Henry was not the same after that because, you know, traumatic brain injuries, already really bad temper, and also he reopened an older leg wound that never healed after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> Justing. It's like football today. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, no, Tanner. no, it's fu- listen, there there's a reason I can't reboot my second hero sports film, The Replacement, and it's just because it's an anti-union pro football film, and it's just it's it's almost unsalvageable, except for the fact that <laughs> Keanu Reeves is in it and he's adorable. Yeah. Um Anyways, um, um, Knight's Tale. So at the, at the last match, uh, Adamar's his blunt on the end of his lance is just spun sugar. So when he breaks it against uh, Will's armor, it, the whole thing shatters, and there's just a huge spike going directly into Will's side. Yeah. And so they have to pull it out, and then he can't grip the lance, and so he like what ends up being is they lash the lance to they they pull all of his armor off because he can't breathe they lash the lance to his arm and while they're uh, buying time oh by the way because i forgot to mention this chaucer uh becomes will's herald and he does these long winded speeches about how cool sir ulrich is how amazing he is how wonderful it is that we are in his presence all those great deeds about how he was the he, like he met Sir Ulrich praying to God in Greece for the horrors that he had to commit in his name, and then he saved a woman from her dreadful uncle, and then he like went to a monastery just to understand the sound of a whisper, and all this bullshit. Um, and then while he like he keeps doing this, and so then Sir Adamar's herald also tries to, like follow in his footsteps, but he can't quite get to the same levels. <laughs> There's a scene. Where he's he's trying to imitate it, and uh, the uh, the will squires are like have a mirror, and so they're putting the sun directly in Adamar's herald's eye, <laughs> and Adamar's herald is like, he's uh, Count Adamar, defender of his enormous manhood. <laughs> um, yeah, on the Wikipedia page, they list uh, Joffrey Chaucer as the ring announcer yeah. for. For Will. Yeah, and he would totally be home at, at a WWE match. Yep. Um, and as to buy time for Will at the end, uh, Charles was like, Oh shit, I forgot my introduction! Um, but these days come too far and in between for it to be uh, like interrupted by broad words, and so I, I just, I'm proud to introduce to you one of your own, born the Stone's Throw Away in Cheapside, uh, like the one, the only, Sir William Thatcher, um, and then William's, like, friend, uh, one of his squires to, what's his name? Watt. The squ- the squires are Watt and Roland. Watt is played by Alan Tudyk, and he's a, a violent, hungry squire who's obsessed with greater things in life. And so he's just kind of a little, <laughs> little, little, he's a funny little guy. <laughs> um, and then Mark Addy is Roland, and he's kind of Will's big brother figure. He was also a squire to the late director. And he's the like the sensible one mm-hmm. and the religious one. He he only lets everyone else gamble their life savings away when the the French say that they're gonna win because the Pope is French. To which Roland replied, "Well, the Pope was French, but Jesus is English." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so Watt turns to Will and he's like, "That's you, Sir William Thatcher. Your dad heard that." And so then they charge, and Will charges, and as he's charging, he shouts his own name. And then he breaks his lance directly against Adamar's head. Adamar goes flying from his horse. As he does, he like 
gets he goes to the shadow realm. He's suspended in midair, looking up as Will and his crew lean over him, and they repeat something that Adamar had said to Will earlier, which is, "You have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have absolutely been found wanting." Welcome to the new world, mate. God save you if it is right that he should do so. And then Adamar is unhorsed. Mm-hmm. Will wins. His wound is magically healed. <laughs> Because he, when Jocelyn yeah. runs out of the stadium to do a big kiss, he can fully lift her up. Chaucer's in the background like, oh, I should write a book about this. And also that line, uh, you've been weighed, you've been sorted and found wanting, um, comes from Belshazzar's Feast from the Book of Daniel. Yeah, it's the writing on the wall. Yeah, which is super cool, too. Yes. Also, that's where the saying comes from, the writing's on the wall, God is about to do yep. something. Big hand showed up and was like, hey, look at this. So yeah. Anyway, so that's a nice. How do we? That's a nice tale. Um, now you're probably thinking, "Tale, that sounds such like such a great movie. How are you going to reboot it?" And listen, I almost wasn't sure how. I almost was like, you know what? I can't. It's too good. <laughs> but then I figured one thing out. Yeah. And that is that this film, very little unchanged. This story would thrive on the stage. Oh. As Abe Tukoc's musical. <laughs> <laughs> We we already have the the songs. They're seventies bangers. Yeah. We just have to add a few more in. Yeah. Um I tried to make a point of not to, like sticking to the seventies and not doing anything that was in Rock of Ages. Fortunately that was easy because Rock of Ages is mostly eighties songs. Um and now Lindsay, I'm probably gonna have to kind of rely on you because I feel like you're more in tune to seventies rock than I am. Mostly because I listen to my brother's radio station. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um so so for one thing, I the film opens with We Will Rock You. I think the musical needs some, to open with something else, but I'm not sure what. I wanted to use Thunderstruck, but apparently Thunderstruck is from the 90s. Yeah, that tracks. Uh... I mean, it could be a soft opening if it like if we open with the scene of Young Will going with Sir Ector and then immediately transition into Dead Sir Ector. <laughs> oh, Highway to Hell came out on uh, came out in 1979. Hmm. There's also Blitzkrieg Blop by the Ramones. Oh, I don't have any Ramones in here. Well, the Ramones are more punk. Yeah. I mean, still, it we're not we're going to have to branch out from the pure rock, necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be a little bit of pop rock in here, and I feel like we're going to have to just put in some normal, like, 70s pop for one scene. Okay, l- let me list what I have so far. Okay. I've got I've got something as an act one opener that is just like something soft and I think actually it would be a good idea to have something on the softer side. The sweet child of mine from the seventies. No, that's eighties. That's Guns N' Roses. You know what? I might be willing to to scooch it a little bit. Because it might fit. Yeah, and there's a lot of hair metal stuff that really fit a sports movie yes uh, i thought yeah like because like you think about the aesthetics of it i think like i do think thunderstruck is pushing it because that is a full 90s song yeah but sweet child of mine we can swing it i have mm-hmm. another i already have another 80s song in here yeah. but again it's because it fits yes um but yeah we'll do sweet child of mine being sung through the scene where will is uh like being given to sir Ector, um and then we can do the like the where do we go whoa where do we go whoa mm-hmm. that can be them trying to figure out what to do with Sir Ector <laughs> um like the the early like it's Will and Roland are like well I guess Sir Ector is dead what do we do and in the background Watt is just beating the shit out of his corpse like wake up you bastard I'll have eaten in three days and if you don't win this tournament. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we can transition into We Will Rock You, which will be Will's plan. And the, the, cause the, the verse, uh, yeah, the verse lyrics can be Will, Roland Watt trying to tell Will that this is a bad idea. Cause Sonny, you're a poor man, <laughs> old, uh, old man, bad man. You've got mud on your face. You're a big disgrace. Yeah. And then Will's like, ah, but counterpoint, we will, we will rock you. <laughs> And that can play through the whole, like, justing scene. Ta-da! Um, we can... I, here's the thing. I actually don't like the song Low Rider by War, but it is the song that plays over the training montage of Will and Roland help... Or, or Roland and Watt helping Will get in shape to actually learn how to just properly. Yeah. So I guess we can keep it. <laughs> I wouldn't call Low Rider rock either. Yeah. Mm. It's funk. Yeah. We could probably do something better than that. Um... 
The thing is, I I will forever associate it as the opening theme song for the George Lopez show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so let's keep on going down your list. Um, When they meet Chaucer, I had considered having him sing Paperback Writer by the Beatles, but I feel like if you're going to do a Beatles, like, you can't just do one Beatles. You've got to do a bunch of Beatles. Yeah. So I decided to kibosh the Beatles. So I replaced it with Ramblin' Man. Okay. <laughs> because I do like the idea of Chaucer singing that with his whole thing out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pre- presumably with, beca- because it's Broadway and our tongue is, pr- like, our, it's already a nice tale. Now it's Broadway nice tale. So our tongue is firmly placed in our cheek. I do definitely envision Will and Watt and Roland desperately trying to, like, hold up various objects to keep the audience from seeing Chaucer's cock. <laughs> yes! <laughs> he went full Monty. Yeah. Mark Gaddy was also in the full Monty. Oh, nice. Um, and then... Once they get to the, um, what was it? Oh, yeah. They get to the tournament. Will's first meeting with Jocelyn. They they have, a, like, a brief conversation where he's really trying to get, find out her name because he's just like, oh, my beautiful, beautiful woman. Oh, maybe angels don't have names. They just have beautiful faces. And Jocelyn is joking and calls him Sir Hunter because, like, her, oh, your pursuit is incredibly dogged. Um, he also gets distracted because he's following her on his horse, mm-hmm. and he gets distracted and follows her directly into a church. <laughs> so there is this wonderful scene where the the priest is suddenly like, You desecrate the house of God! And they all ward Will off, and Will is like, Please, your name! And she's like, Call me a fox because if you, are, you are the hunter. And he's like, All right, my foxy lady. And... And then Jocelyn's laughing, and the priest's like, do you, do you, how could you laugh at such debauchery? And Jocelyn's like, I'm sorry, I only laugh to keep from weeping. And the priest is like, oh, pray your beauty fades swiftly, so you may better serve God. And Jocelyn's like, yes, yes, I do all the time. Why, God, did you curse me with this beautiful face? And the priest's like, oh, the Lord works in mysterious ways. And he holds out his hand with the ring for her to kiss. And Jocelyn just takes the hand and is like, oh, that is beautiful. <laughs> Anyways, I described that whole scene so that we can then get, a, like, in the in the sage adaptation, Jocelyn will say the fox line earlier so that when Will is running through the tournament grounds trying to find her again, he can sing Looking for a Fox. Yeah. Which is a jazz song, technically, but again, 70s and mm-hmm. fox. Yeah. Then we can uh, we can proceed to the swords and the jousting montage, which is now here. I I'm not going to put Will's actual actor in the jousting scenes. We're going to have st- this is hiring stuntmen. Yeah, and they're we're going we're not going to turn off the dark. We're going to have so many harnesses and everything on these boys, so that when they're jousting with specifically designed breakable lances, they're going to be made out of probably plastic and yeah. not mm-hmm. wood. And yes, we will have to have fake motorized horses that kind of, like, launch themselves at each other. Yeah, because I was wondering, this musical might have to take place at, like, um, a Medieval Times restaurant. (laughs) No, we just want you to feel like you're at the Medieval Times when you're in the Broadway theater. (laughs) Don't, like, it's, we'll we'll get the people who made the War Horse play, you know? Yeah. Because that was a puppet, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a puppet. Yeah. With the Warhorse people, we'll get the, the, the Lion King people. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we can have Taking Care of Business playing during the montage. Also, I feel like this is a musical where we're going to have to have like a lot of dialogue interspersed with the musical numbers. Probably because as Jukebox musical, they're not going to perfectly convey the pl- the events of the story. But also because there's just so much good dialogue that I don't want. Like, I was debating whether I wanted this to be a Jukebox musical or if I wanted it to be an original musical. And ultimately, I decided that dialogue is so good as dialogue that I don't want to wreck it by putting it to music. Like, the good mm-hmm. lines and good speeches, I want them to stay as prose, not be forced into a sung lyric. Yeah. But yeah, and then we get to the dance scene because after the tournament, Will is ready to leave and they're like, you have to make an appearance at the dance and Jocelyn will be there. Um, And then they do a whole uh, Gone with the Wind situation of like, what what does your Lord's tunic look like? And Watt is looking at the tent behind Jocelyn's handmaid and he's like, uh, it's green with a pale green trim and wooden toggles. <laughs> and the handmaiden is great. My lady will dress to match. And she does. Nice. And they, they go to like the ball after. And, and Adamar is like, what if there was a dance from Gelderland? Hmm? And Will, who does not know how to dance, he just kind of does some random twists of his arms and then like some hops. And then Jocelyn takes over and adds a clap. 
And then the, I guess the choreographer is like, all right, I've ready places. And they do like the whole line dance situation because it's medieval. Um, and there's the lute playing in the background, but the lute slowly transitions into Golden Years by David Bowie. Like, and you get like this little like disembodied angel in the background before it fully kicks in. Like the bass line, the I'm going to put the actual bass line, don't worry. <laughs> But the whole scene is so good because it's like that slow transition and we have to have the exact same arrangement. And I think ultimately, that was the other thing that was that. You could maybe get away with doing original songs for the story of Night's Tale, but it would be severely lacking in something if it did not have the Golden Years musical number. I don't think you could create a fitting original number that replaces Golden Years, it just has to be Golden Years. Yes. Um, and then, in the Act 1 finale, they will find out that Adamar is has been called away to the the mercenaries um and that jocelyn is going to be following them uh kate joins the crew after the uh, armor situation and then the the act one finale is going to be born to run by billy joel which i know is kind of about a car and or motorcycle but it fits wait billy joel i thought that was bruce springsteen it is bruce springsteen i just don't know what people's names are okay (laughs) (laughs) respect the boss um, anyways, Act 2 opener yeah. is my other 80s song, and that's going to be 1980 exactly. It's going to be The Kid Is Hot Tonight by Loverboy. Yeah. Because I think it is very fitting of, like, Will is the kid, and the kid is hot tonight. Mm-hmm. But where will he be tomorrow? And I even would, like, like a cutaway to Adamar in, like, at the Battle of Poitiers, like, while he's, like, d- doing the scene from the movie where he's looking at all the tournament results and seeing that Sir Ulrich is climbing through the ranks of all of them. Mm-hmm. We're going to shift into minor key. <laughs> it's like, how do you like him so far? How do you like his style and all that? The kid is hot tonight, but where will he be tomorrow? Hmm? Um, and then we will have, I think the reason that Jocelyn and Will have their like breakup is because we'll find out that Will has been skipping on the dances. And so like, he keeps saying how much he loves her, but he does have to take priority and like, get to extra tournaments so that he can survive because he has no money other than what he's getting from tournaments. Yeah. And Jocelyn is going to, because he can't tell Jocelyn the truth, Jocelyn's going to interpret this as he cares more about the glory than her. That's yeah. where we get the line. <laughs> um, That's where we get the line, like, uh, the a flower is only as beautiful as her petals. That's why I dress so nice in Willis. Like, you cannot eat a flower. You cannot pay your rent with a fl- your taxes with a flower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're just a silly girl with a flower. And the girl is like, better a silly girl with a flower than a silly boy with a horse and a stick. And she storms off. And then Watch says the line that my family have been quoting for 22 years. <laughs> it's called a lance. Hello. <laughs> Anyways, after the breakup, that's when Will realizes, shit, shit, I messed up. I have to, she's not going to meet with me in person, so I have to write her a letter to help her explain my feelings to her. And this is a really great scene in the movie, because it's all of his friends saying things, like, things that they have, the really poetic thoughts that they have had about love. So, like, Roland is talking about a girl he had a crush on that it never worked out because he had to follow his director. Watt had a crush on a serving girl who wasn't interested in him. Chaucer has found love in his many exorbitant travels. Plus, he's a writer, so he knows how to compose stuff. Yeah. And Kate shares something that her husband always told her uh, before he passed away. And it's really great stuff. And so I want to keep that as dialogue, but I want to be interspersed with songs representing their feelings. And so this is going to be like a full mashup medley, but I think it should be it should be couched in more than a feeling by Boston. Yeah. We can say that, like, I, we can say that Roland's, the girl that Roland had a crush on was Marianne, and she's walking away. Yeah. And I think this is where we just kind of have to force in some other love songs from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did not get a chance, give myself a chance to look up. 70s love. So I'm Googling 70s love songs right now. The first result is Witchy Woman and Killing Me Softly. And I think both of those are very wrong. Yeah. Uh, rockin' man, everything I know, rockin' all over the world, but take it to the limit, I will survive. That's a breakup song! Yeah. How deep is your love? Bad case of loving you. The air that I breathe. Oh, how deep is your love would be a good one. Oh, yeah. 
That could be the one that Kate sings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stand By Me. Knock three times your song, can't get enough of your love, I guess. Heart of Glass. Uh, that's the way, Lo- That's That's not a love song! <laughs> Once I had a love of the Heart of Glass, turns out it was a pain in the ass? <laughs> Man, this, uh... Yeah. Okay. Let's go to Spotify and see what they have. <laughs> Lowrider, I'm pretty sure, is not a love song. YMCA, okay, I guess it could be a love song. Yeah. But not the one we're thinking of. <laughs> uh, dreams, uh... Oh, dr- okay, we gotta work in some kind of, uh... Fleetwood Mac? Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Fleetwood Mac, or... I truly, I think COVID, I think COVID burned off the part of my brain that remembers names. I don't think I've remembered someone's name in a year. Okay. Well. Who is she from Fleetwood Mac? Uh, Stevie Nicks. Thank you. Either a Fleetwood Mac or a Stevie Nicks solo. We need to find a spot for here. Yeah, like there's songs like, uh, Dreams, Rhiannon, uh, what else is on the Rumors album? So we got Secondhand News, Dreams, Never Going Back Again, Don't Stop, Go Your Own Way, Songbird, uh, The Chain, You Make Loving Fun, I Don't Want to Know, Oh Daddy, and Gold Dust Woman. And Silver Springs was added on a couple different releases. I would say Songbird or Dreams from Rumors um, for solo Stevie Nicks song, uh, Rhiannon. Yeah, I think I think Dreams would be a good solo song mm-hmm. i think and rhiannon because I'm, I'm looking at the lyrics remind myself what it is i think rhiannon would be a good fit if that was like the part that watt sings yeah um the chain would also be a good one yeah again that album the chain what have i got maybe the chain could be the song that jocelyn sings when she's telling will he needs to lose yeah um but maybe maybe chaucer doesn't sing in this one because chaucer is just composing the letter mm-hmm so yeah, so it'll be a mashup of More Than a Feeling, Rhiannon, and How Deep Is Your Love. Yeah. And then and then when Will gets to Jocelyn, that's when we sing The Chain. Yeah. Because if you don't love me now, you will never love me again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we'll go to Get Ready by Your Earth, which is the song that plays over the Will getting shit fucked scene. Yeah. And then I don't know if we want to have a song for when Will and Jocelyn finally consummate their relationship. What if we took a note from uh, Moulin Rouge and they sang your song? Yeah. Okay. And then what else have I got? Then after that will be the scene where they return to London. So naturally it's going to be the boys are back in town. Oh, yeah. Which fits very well. We we probably don't need to interpolate any dialogue for that one because the boys are back in town. Yeah. And then when Will is arrested, um, I was listening to a 70s playlist. So that's where I got some of these from. D- Dream On by Aerosmith came on. And I was... <laughs> I had not heard the original in such a long time. I was mostly just listening to the Glee cover. And, okay, listen, Neil Patrick Harris, you, you did good. You can hit them high notes, but the original is so much better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steven Tyler, man. Yeah. So Dream On is going to be sung as, like, they find out that Will has been arrested, and then they're trying to convince him not to, um, and then he ends up going anyways. And, like, when he's dragged away by the guards... He's good. That's when the Will's actor will be hitting the high notes. Dream on! Dream on! Dream on! Yeah, I can't hit those high notes. I'll break something. Um, (laughs) I'm very much, though, trying to evoke in Jesus Christ Superstar when the Jesus Christ Superstar, or yeah, when Jesus goes, the the really high note Y. Yeah. (laughs) Google Jesus Christ Superstar Y compilation. (laughs) And there was a really good amen in there, too. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not sure if we would have a song for when Sir, not Sir Colville, Prince Edward shows up to Night Will. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that potentially we could have a little bit of We Are the Champions sung. Yeah. Because he was arrested but committed no crime. Mm-hmm. The The thing is, though, like, I feel like if we were to do that, We Are the Champions would kind of be stretched out across several scenes. Yeah. Like several of these last scenes. Uh, looking at another... 70s playlist there's heroes from by david bowie mm. because we could be heroes just for one day yeah that would actually be a good fit okay i didn't want to double up too much but we've we've got two fleetwood max and so i am not opposed to having two bowies yeah um so then we can have we're the champions like we can have some of it playing during the lead up to the joust and do like the big overture after will wins yeah 
And then the finale song can be You Shook Me All Night Long. Oh, yeah. And then, I don't know, do you think, we, I don't think Jocelyn has a solo. Does she have any scenes, like, by herself? The only scene that's really by herself is when it's her and her handmaiden, and Jocelyn is complaining about all the guys who want to, like, win her love. And the headman is like, but what about Sir Ulrich? Because you were making eyes at him. And Joss is like, mm, yes, Sir Ulrich, he was pretty dashing. <laughs> yeah, like the one song that comes, that popped into my head was Barracuda by heart. But I think that's a little. Well, I think if we do Barracuda, it'd have to be mashed up with something or like, like lead into something else in that scene. Yeah. Um, But I do think looking at heart is the right way to go. Yeah. Um. Crazy on You would be a good one. Oh, yeah. She could also sing Heartless about Adamar. Yep. Uh, there's also Magic Man. That is, I think, mm-hmm. I think between the two, I'd rather go with Crazy Crazy on You yeah. as opposed to Magic Man. Mm-hmm. I could even, I think Crazy on You and Heartless would be a good mashup. Yeah. Or do, I don't know if we want to go do, like, the female singers of the 70s to see if there's anyone who's a little bit softer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> Maybe a little too out there. Aretha. Huh? Aretha Franklin. If if you listener, you weren't sure. Yeah. You, I'd be concerned. Um, I think Diana Ross was still singing. Yeah. Um, I've got a list. Okay, we've got Aretha Franklin, Stevie Nicks, Gladys Knight, Olivia Newton-John, Dolly Parton, Barbara Streisand, Joni Mitchell, Patti Smith, uh, Donna Summer, Linda Ronstadt. Carly Simon, Carol King, Bonnie Raitt, Cher, and Diana Ross. So I'm going to say we shouldn't do a Carol King because there's already a Carol King jukebox musical. Yeah. Singing You're So Vain about the other nights, though, that would really fit. Mm-hmm. And then looking specifically at Aretha songs from the 70s. I feel, I feel like I know half of these. I just can't think of them mentally right now. Mm-hmm. You're No Good by Linda Ronstadt might work. Like if she's I'm judging kind of, the other nights, kind of married. if she's judging the other nights, I, I'm kind of married to your so vain for when she's judging the nights. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just the, sorry, not yeah. not to shoot you down, yeah. but also like it's a good song. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the good Jocelyn solos should be, uh, yeah, probably a love song by either Diana Ross or Aretha Franklin that I can't think of right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that that can be a little bit later, but then her initial solo would be your so vain. Yeah, and I think that fills out pretty much everything we need yeah does feel like the front act the first act is a little front-loaded but also i feel like that happens in a lot of musicals yeah like usually the back half because is so many like... of them are established well so many of the go sorry you go. no you go you go <laughs> i was just gonna say that i think a lot of musicals end up front-loaded with songs because a lot of them are establishing songs yeah like this is the song to show you what the character is about yeah and i was just like the second half tends to have the reprises anyway Yes. Maybe maybe we can toss in a few reprises. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think we got it. Yeah. Do you think I don't know, do you think Watt and Chaucer should hook up? Yes. Cause there's cause cause they got Will and Jocelyn, and then there's kind of a ship tweeze between Roland and Kate. Mm-hmm. And then Watt is always threatening physical violence on Chaucer, so you know what that means. Yep. <laughs> awesome. And that's good because we're coming up on an hour of recording. Yes. So in that case, we're going to follow our feet to a friendship promo. <laughs> and we are running low on those. <laughs> so please send one in. In the year 2022, the world's one and only podcast about comic books burned to the ground. But like a phoenix, from its ashes rose, Crying in the Book Club, a podcast where three emotional friends talk about comic books that make them feel things. Come for the classics, stay for John and Emily going for each other's throats every time we read a manga. Crying in the Book Club, wherever fine podcasts are sold. All right, Lindsay, uh, we're back from the intermission, and now you get to where, where, what, that was a bad segue. Hey, where are you on the internet? <laughs> um, I can be found on Twitter at lindsaym476, it's Lindsay spelled with an A, and you can get to all my other social media bullshits from there. Tanner, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at SparkyUpstart, or on Instagram at SparkyYoungUpstart, and you can also find this very podcast on Twitter at N-I-I-R-Y-F-Pod. Those are the letters for Not If I Reboot You First, and they're pronounced LAUNCE. Hello. Uh, you can also email us at notifiverbootyfirst at gmail.com or you can send us your comments, critiques, criticisms, and 
how you would change your stars. And that's also where you can send us a friendship promo. Like I said before, please send us friendship promos. We've been out of a game for a while. I feel like a lot of the promos we have are heavily outdated. Just like, send us a promo for the podcast you're about to start. Okay? Okay, great. Anything. Send promo anything. Promo anything. (laughs) Even your fanfic. Uh... (laughs) Not If I Reboot You First is a member of the Corner Podcast Network, and you can talk more about this show or others on the network via our Corner Podcast Discord. And as always, our cover art is by Alex Fierce, and her work can be found on ptchew.com, and our theme music is done by our friend Sean Clake, whose contact info is available upon request. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 4 territory, the traditional lands of the Cree, Sotol, and Assiniboine, and homeland of the Métis. Lindsay, have you got a hint for us for next time? Why yes, next time we are uh, going up to Mandalay again. Again? I can't even remember what we did there the first time. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've been there. Anyway. Okay. I trust you. (laughs) Bye.
Um, <laughs> uh, Heath's accent also is extremely good in this film, and I was surprised when I found out that he was in fact American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's- Wait, no, he's Australian! And I'm a ding-dong. I'm gonna delete that part. Yeah, no, the impressive accent was when he was in Broke Bat Matt. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> and even then, he was just um, mumbling the entire time. That's true. 